You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. This morning, uh, I come with a heavy burden uh, primarily to the Word of God and to uh, this generation of believers. The message that the Lord has given me is called Tell the next generation, and it's based out of Psalm 78. We'll get there in just a minute, but you can prepare as you turn to Psalm 78. The burden I have is this. This may be my last time, uh, probably is, to preach in this pulpit, having been on staff uh, after this end of this month. And so I want to share with everyone, but especially this next generation, what I have personally heard and known of the power and the wonders of God. Now, let me tell you, when I come to the pulpit, I mean this very sincerely, I tremble. I don't take lightly opening up the Word of God and the responsibility of pastoring and teaching uh, because of the potential of either two things, leading someone astray or self-exaltation. I tell you, I know, I know and have tasted that it is all of Jesus, and I need you to hear that. You'll hear some stories today of what I have personally seen God do. I tell you now, I take nothing. I know what I am, a weak man. And so my, my prayer is, is that you would see nothing but Christ in the stories, nothing but Jesus to strengthen your faith. But I have known and heard of the power and the wonders of God. I came to faith as a young child of nine years old. It was an authentic faith. And I was raised in a loving, nurturing uh, family that taught me uh, to live for Jesus. But by the time I was 14 years old, I began to stray. And I strayed hard until I was 23 years old. I was a mess. During that time, at just turning 20, I married my beautiful bride, Maureen, Maureen had just turned 18. We were kids. We were in a very similar time of social upheaval in the country. Things were just crazy in the 70s, uh, as many of you know. And so during that time, we had our first child, James. And about the time he was a year and a half old, our marriage began to crumble. We didn't know what it meant to love. We weren't living for Jesus. We had no idea. We were just in love with the fact that we could get out of the house and have our own home and start a life. So at that time, brokenness became, came to our marriage and it was, it was shattered. Our marriage for over two years was not only dead, not only cold, but if I could use a hard term, rigor mortis had set in. It, had, it was gone. I tried everything I could do to fix my marriage, but nothing worked. We were both wayward, living away from Jesus. And what I'm about to tell you is so important about declaring the power and the wonders of the gospel into your generation and the next generations is the fact that the gospel is powerful when men and women learn to pick it up and use it in everyday life. I'm 23 years old, trying to fix my marriage. I'm angry. I'm in the factories, in the dark factories, and uh, Maureen doesn't want anything to do with the Lord, and I didn't know what it meant to walk with the Lord, and there was a faithful man. And he began to share with me what it meant to walk with Jesus again. It took me about four weeks, about a month to sort that out. I was an angry young man. But after about four weeks and finally coming to my senses, by God's grace, he reached out. 
And I surrendered my life to Jesus and I have never looked back. I tasted the mercy and the grace of God came into my life, something I had never experienced of an overwhelming peace. And when that happened, I was then trying to preach to my wife how to get right with God, and that didn't work very well. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. But he began to teach me, God began to teach me what prayer was about. He began to teach me what it meant to wait upon the Lord and to just fall deeply in love with Jesus. You see, I had Maureen on the idol of my life. She was on the top of the throne and not Jesus, so I didn't know how to love. What happened was through prayer and people's prayer, little by little, it took nearly two years, but eventually, eventually, Maureen surrendered her life to Jesus Christ and saved her, and God began to heal our marriage in a powerful way. That's been over uh, nearly 41 years next month, 41 years of marriage. Yes. And I love my wife. I love Maureen more than ever. And let me tell you, it's not just as easy as you think. There were many times when it was so gone, so gone, that with our own attitudes out of place, our own hearts were not right, Somehow, by the grace of God, we would take each other by the hand and we would kneel down by the bed and we'd say, God, we don't know how to fix this. We don't know how to fix this. But God and his power and the gospel and his wonders worked in those prayers and he drew us together. So today I come with a heavy burden, a heavy burden of Wanting everyone here to be able to say in your own words to your own family, to your own co-workers, to the world, I have personally heard and known the power and wonders of God. Psalms 4 says, we will not hide them from their, gener- their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. I want to share with you a question. Are you telling others what you have heard and known of God's wonders and powers? And if you would, stand, and we're going to read our text, Psalm 78, 1 through 7. Psalm 78 says, Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. You may be seated. Turn your heart now for a minute to the Lord as we pray and ask the Lord to open your heart in every department of it to listen for his spirit, his word to speak to you. Father, we come this morning as your people. We thank you for a living word. We thank you for the reality that the gospel has never weakened. It has never been weak. It doesn't even know what weakness is. We thank you that in the midst of everything we're seeing around us, it doesn't matter the fact that you are still sovereignly reigning and that for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, they can see your activity. 
Help us to get in on that, Father. Help us to be able to tell the people around us at our workplace, our families, and the world about the glory of Jesus, his mercy and grace. So God, speak through your word today, and I ask it in Christ's name, amen. I'm going to paint a backdrop of Psalm 78 because it is a very large, large uh, chapter in the word of God. Um, scholars say possibly this was written sometime after the death of David and just right before the Babylonian captivity. The entire chapter has 72 verses. It's broke up in about four themes that are very important. Uh, I would encourage you to study this in the days ahead. One of those themes is this. The first one is, it is a rehearsal of God's mercies to Israel. The second part of this is he recounts the ingratitude and disobedience of Israel's past. And the third part is he gives specific and earnest warnings. And then the final part of this, as it's broken down, is God gives intense and well-timed encouragement. And if there's ever a time that the people of God need to be encouraged, it's now. It was a time not much different from ours today. It was full of civil unrest. It was during their apostasy, the falling away. And that's what we're seeing rapidly all over our country and all over the world right now. So it's my personal burden and obligation to share with you what I have personally heard and known of the wonders of God. I see at least three truths in this text. Number one, tell your family what you have personally heard and known of God's wonders and powers. Tell your family. Tell your children, parents. We start with focusing on verses one through three. It says, oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the, the passion of the psalmist. He is pleading with God's people, pay attention. In fact, the very principles of what the word parable means as you go on to verse two, I will open my mouth in parables and will utter hidden things from of old. The very meaning of the parables means to reign, to have power, great weight, worthy to heed. He's saying to all of us, just pay attention. Listen to what I'm saying. Psalm 78 is rich and rich with truths that will tell us. In fact, you come to verse 3 that says, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. In similar language, it resonates what 1 John would say, 1 John 1.1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And though this was the apostles sharing this, John, this resonates with the Psalms of saying to, our, to the people of God, be aware and be open to share the activity that you see in your own life. The questions posed deeper though. When is the last time you have personally witnessed and seen the acti activity of God around you? And I'm not here to bring any kind of condemnation, but I will say this. If you are not seeing the activity of God, something's wrong. Because he is alive, he is moving. It's not some so mysterious thing that we never see God. He is alive. I've seen him. I've seen him work even this morning in some situations. So the first three verses set up the tone of what God wants to tell us and teach us about paying attention. And I want to start with this, and it is for telling the family. 
how God works in your family. When, when James, our oldest, who is now 39 years old, my gosh, what has happened to that? When he was six years old, it's, he began to be very curious about coming to Christ. And like most parents, uh, you know, you're very, very careful with that. And I remember being overcautious. I was evangelizing uh, at the workplace. I was uh, doing all kinds of things, but I didn't even know how to discern my own children. And I just remember James many, many times coming to Maureen and I and uh, saying, what about me getting saved? And I just remember just kind of, well, you just, keep, you just keep praying about that. And we were depending upon faithful Sunday school teachers and people sharing with him. And I would just kind of just back that away because I just did not want to have any form of manipulating that with your own children. Anybody ever have to go through that? Raise your hand high. If you ever with your own kids, it's a tough thing. And I remember one day, that literally he came up to me literally and jerked my arm three times and said, Dad, what about me getting saved? Well, I thought for a while, I figured out, well, maybe, maybe this is getting serious. You think? This was crazy. He was really, really serious. And so what happened was we took that little boy, I took him up in this old tree house I built. Would you bring up that photo of this? Uh, this is back in the days of Rich. For all I know, Rich is up there in that. Rich ran around with my son. And so I built this cool tree house, makeshift deer stand, I'll just tell you. And so, <laughs> and so um, uh, I led that little boy to Jesus up there. Now, let me tell you something. Yeah, that's all good stuff. And, and everybody, if you, hopefully you've experienced that. But the amazing thing to me is, is that that little boy now, at 39 years old, is the lead pastor in Montreal, one of the most lost, uh, the lost uh, uh, cultures in North America. And my, my sweet daughter, uh, daughter-in-law, Abby, and my four grandkids. And the point I'm pulling at is not just to brag on that, which I don't mind doing that. The point is this. Parents, tell the stories of God's activities. And this is where I'm going to lead to because what my kids begin to hear, what our kids, Maureen and I, we used to be able to share with them and let them see something besides just coming into church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, as important as that is. You want your family to be a lifestyle of living for Jesus. Then things begin to really change in the life. Parents, are you sharing what you have personally heard and known of God's power and wonders with your kids? But what if you didn't uh, grow up in a Christian home? Start now. Start now. Ask God for help. Ask him to open your eyes to begin to see his activity and begin to share things with your children because it makes all the difference. And so this lifestyle was so important to us. In fact, we wanted our kids to be a part of everything we were doing to live for Jesus. Back in 1991, we founded an organization, a ministry called Hidden Bluff Ministries. Many of you that's been around a long time remember that. We were working with inner city children and inner city at-risk youth and teenagers all over the city. We literally saw thousands and thousands of them coming. We would bring them out uh, to the camp where we're at now, that School to the Nations, and we would uh, do Saturday all-day events and evangelize them and have worship, and we would have food, and it was just this really, really um, busy, hard ministry of working with uh, our inner city with all of its dysfunctions and everything that, w that comes with just uh, broken homes and families. And it was during that time in those formative years that our own kids began to integrate in and be a part of the ministry. James played on the worship team. Joe was up front 
playing basketball in the inner city, helping us sign up kids. And Josh, my own son, the youngest Josh, he was saved at one of our events. So it became a lifestyle of them seeing the glory of God and him doing his activity and work in our everyday lives. One of those stories was a beautiful story that I made mention of several months back, but I want to expound on it. And it was on a little girl named Christina, a little redheaded girl. Would you bring up a picture of Christina? Christina was one of literally thousands of these inner city youth. There was one day I remember having these kind of thoughts saying, God, after we had finished with Hidden Bluff for several years, I said, did we make any difference? And I was really burdened about that. We saw what appeared to be hundreds and hundreds of decisions for Christ, and we saw all kinds of things that God was doing, but you still have in your heart serving the Lord at times saying, are we really making any difference? Well, little Christina grew up. She found me on Facebook about a year ago, a little less than a year ago. She messaged me, and she said, do you remember me? I said, oh, yes, I do remember you. And she said, I want you to know this. I want to tell you something. I will never forget those days out there. It changed my life. I'm now 36 years old. My life had been a mess, but I remember all those times hearing about Jesus. And I just wanted you to know that I gave my life to Jesus recently and I've been baptized and I'm in the Celebrate Recovery program and God is doing so much with my family. She's been married for 10 years uh, to this young man and she loves him and I encouraged her. And she said to me, I asked her permission to show this and she was trying to find her baptism pictures. She wanted you to see those baptism pictures now as a grown lady that the power of the gospel can change people's lives. She's even mothering over me. She knows I go missions everywhere over them. She goes, please tell me you won't get killed or hurt. I said, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, that's a good mama that mothers over you. So my question to you is this, parents. Are you teaching your children what you have heard and known of God's power and wonders? Are you telling your family and others? Number two. Tell the next generation what you have known of God's power in the workplace. Look at verse 4 again. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord and his power and the wonders he has done. It would be obvious that we are far from being perfect parents. Just ask our kids. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. But look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, he decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. It resonates with Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. This is the heart of God, what he wants us to share with our families and our children. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Our boys grew up around the dinner table hearing the stories of my coworkers and laughing about their nicknames and they became very familiar with my surroundings and hearing the stories of me sharing uh, the gospel with men and women. In fact, they begin to see and experience and participate in something that I saw personally that I still to this day is a wonder of what God has done. 
I started a Bible study, a little old Bible study in the factories. I was, at that time, I was a production supervisor. And some of the men just began to come around that, and we would study at lunchtime. Soon, it began to expand, and people in the front office, we had blue collar, we had white collar, male, female, they begin to come to this Bible study. Soon it began to grow so big that we moved it outside and we were given and blessed with a coffee shop. And that coffee shop, we would come and James would lead worship and my boys would be there and, and Maureen would be there and she would sing often and, 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 and the Bible study just kept growing and growing. They begin to see people come to Christ. We would baptize. We were baptizing them in the front office. It was during that time, and you've heard, if you know me very long, I will never quit telling the stories of seeing departments after departments of men, hardened men, that once were listening to honky-tonk and acid rock, they begin to be a revival broke out in the factories, and men were, hardened men were coming to faith in Christ. And I would walk down those same departments, and you'd hear Chuck Swindoll on the radio, and you'd hear worship music. My boys would hear these stories. And it would go on and on and on. In fact, just about a month ago, I had to go and pick up some materials for my youngest son in Ozark where he worked. And as I was loading that stuff up, Josh said to me, here come a young man walking back from lunch and he was getting ready to go back to work. And Josh grabbed him real quick and said, hey, hey, here's my dad. And he introduced me to a young man. And those two had been talking and discovered that I used to work with his father. And his father was someone who I shared the gospel with lots of times. And I thought, hey, this guy's never coming to Christ. This, you just get discouraged, but you just keep trying to figure out ways to pray for them. And, 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 and he told me, he introduced himself. He said, I want to tell you, he said, my dad came to faith in Jesus. He said this, he said, not only this, my brother is a pastor now. And I'm living for Jesus. And my dad told me that you used to share with him. And he said, in fact, he remembers when you were driving somewhere and you were listening to gospel music like third day or something. And he goes, my dad never forgot that. I don't even remember that. It doesn't matter. It matters that we're telling the next generation about the power of the gospel to change men's hearts and souls. And so we come to the third and final point that I want to share with you. Number three, tell the next generation what you have heard and known of God's power and wonders in the world. You see, I'm talking about from the families to the factories to the frontiers. And it is only by the grace of God I've been able to taste that and declare to you to the next generation, never limit what God would ever want to do in your life. You, are, you have but only one thing to do, only one. You don't strive after it. You don't do this or that. You fall in love with Jesus and stay connected to him and just learn to love and be content with Jesus. He begins to live his life through you. Well, verse 7 sums it up. Then... They would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would command, would keep his commands. This is about world missions of work. I've literally watched God take me from the family to the factories to the frontiers. In order that they would not forget his deeds, the psalmist is saying to the people, have you personally tasted and seen? Have you heard and known of his wonders? which is why I want to share with you one of many, many things that is so amazing to Maureen and I. 
of just being simple people to see what God can do. I'm about to show you a short video clip. It's a historical clip of the first baptisms among an unreached people group. In fact, it was our second one. I have video of the first one among the Kogoro. The second one is among the Falanke people. Shut up in the sub-Sahara. Some 64,000 over about 36 villages. Research from our partners when we went in to adopt them and work among them for several years recorded that they, know, they knew no known believers, none among this people group. They're tribal animist mixed with folk Islam. And I'm going to tell you, when you read the book of Revelation where you see every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will worship the, the throne, this is about what I want to share with you of what I have personally known and tasted. And my heart is not to show you something we, I did because I didn't do nothing. It is to encourage you in your faith, to declare to you the next generation what I've personally heard and known, and to declare to you the power of the gospel has never changed. I want to close with this. So very important for you to hear my heart on this. As I close my chapter here at Ridgecrest, I have one burning passion that we would continue as Ridgecrest Baptist Church to never lose her love for Jesus Christ, first and foremost. You would never lose your love for the next generation. You would never lose your love for the glorious gospel to go to the ends of the earth, to your workplace, to your neighbors, to your family. And if you would stand as we close, I'm going to pray. And the invitation is going to be a little different today in the fact of I close with this question. Are you telling others what you have personally heard and known of God's power and wonders? Do you need hope and help in his power in your marriage, in your children, at your workplace, in your personal life, in your ministry? And you may be here today and you have never, ever understood clearly what it means to truly be in a relationship with Christ, and it's this simple. Recognize that we are chucked full of rotting sin. We're born into it. We're a wayward people. But God's love is so great that he's reaching down to you one more time today to say, if you'll come to me and just simply acknowledge that and turn to me and see what I did on the cross, I paid for your sin. My blood will wash you clean for now and for eternity and you can have peace with God. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.